You're listening to the Brand Interrupted Podcast, a space dedicated to inspire, teach, and heal through the power of story, resilience, and vulnerability. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brittany Hammond, filmmaker, producer, brand story strategist, and the founder of Untamed Productions. Each week, I'll be bringing to you guest entrepreneurs, artists, authors, speakers, and influencers in a series of real, raw, and unfiltered conversations around the art and business of being yourself, the bravery to share your message, and the audacity to go after what you want in life. Hello and welcome back to the Brand Interrupted Show. It is a gloriously sunny day here in Paris. We are the last few days of March getting ready for spring and I'm super excited to introduce to you guys, Annick. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Looking forward to spring as well. (laughs) Yeah. Remind me where you are in the world. I have just landed in Italy last week, but before that I was traveling. I was in Australia and South Africa and Mauritius in summer, so kind of missing the sun already. Yeah, where in Italy are you? I'm near Milan. Oh, love it, love it. (laughs) I used to live in Nice, so I was down in the south on the border of Italy. Sorry? I used to live in Nice, so I was down on the border. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice, nice place as well. I love it. I was there a couple of years ago. Anywhere near the sea is nice. Sun and sea, that's all I need to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I say that yet I'm in like the most polluted, (laughs) busiest city ever here in Paris, but (laughs) I feel like I got my dose of, of the Nice, the Niçois life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can still go back. True. So diving in, what, introduce yourself a little bit. What, how would you describe yourself and your brand? Well, how would I introduce myself? That's a really good question. Uh, My brand, I am a transformational coach turned self-publishing strategist, which may sound a little bit weird, or disconnected, but it is all part of the same thing because my brand is all about being who we are. My slogan is be you, do you. Mm. And I have found that one of the best ways to be you, do you, get rid of everything that you are not and really stand into who you are proudly and boldly is by writing a book. So that's what I do. Um, for a living. Mm. How do you help people tap into their story? Because this is something I do, but more in the film version, Um, helping people understand their story and how to show up on camera, how to share it in a really compelling way. Um, But I'd be curious uh, to know how how you sort of approach that. Well, um, logistically speaking, I have a very simple exercise that I do (laughs) that usually gets them out of their head and makes their story the real part of them that they want to share with the world come up and it's it's just a simple thing it's a simple question which is basically saying if if the end of the world was coming and you had to help save the world and you had to 
help relieve the world from its heaviness, what would the message that you would share that you would be ready to share now that you already have everything in you to share? You don't need to take another course, read another book. You already have it in you. And people usually know what it is. That is so powerful. And I think that we get caught up and like, I have to learn more. Like I have to read more, do more, invest more, get more certifications. And it's like, <laughs> the truth of your message is already within. It's probably, I always say your biggest, um, your biggest struggles, your greatest gift. And so it's often the thing that we've been carrying our whole life. Anyways, we don't yeah. need to get outside of ourselves. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Oh my God. So I'm going to spring this on you now. So what would be, and feel free to ask it back. What would be the thing that you would say? This was like the last day on earth. Well, be you, do you. That's actually the second book I'm writing because I think my message is however weird you think you are, however unlike everybody else you are, that's fine. You have the right. You are absolutely entitled to be you, have a, however um, different that may be. And that's fine. That is super fine. Mm. So what does that what does that kind of look like for people? Cause when we say be you, do you like that can mean so many things for different people. Mm. And if they're like, well, I don't know who I am. So how can I just be me? <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, experience here. <laughs> no, I know. And that's actually one of the biggest questions I get from people because they say, Oh, well, it's easy to say be you, do you, but what if I don't even know who I am? Well, the thing is, um, one way to know who you are is when you find that you make decisions in your life where you're not happy, when things are happening and you're not happy and you make choices in your life that are not making you feel great. And one of the simple ways I have played with that, I have built my BUDU muscle is from a very silly, simple little thing, which was choosing the right sandwich. Because I, I was at that stage, you know, I was living a life where for 30 years I had tried to be like everyone or even worse. I wasn't even trying to be like everyone. I was being me, but I wasn't okay with that. I was being me because that was the only way I knew how to be. But I felt a lot of shame and a lot of what's wrong with me. Why can't I be like everyone else with that? And um, because of that, a lot of my decisions were tainted by everybody else's expectations and what I should be doing, what is the best way to go about things. And I noticed but that sometimes I would make decisions that would not give me that satisfaction. So I think um, knowing what it is that you want or who it is that you are is simply taking a moment to notice the little things in everyday life. For me, as I said, it was choosing, learning to choose to pick the right sandwich for me because I, I remember one specific moment that was my aha moment was that I was at the sandwich bar, I really wanted to have their basic sandwich, but I picked the other one, the seafood gratin one, because I thought that's a fancy sandwich, that's what I should be having. 
And when I bought it, it I, I didn't even enjoy it because I knew what I really, really wanted was the basic sandwich. And that's where, for me, that was my big, biggest aha. I was like, oh my God, I just made a decision that wasn't what I really wanted. And I think for people, you all know what is the choice, what are the choices that you are making that are being dictated by your head and by the shoots rather than what you really want. And the way you might not know that in your head, like consciously, but you will notice that it's not what you want by the feeling. You make a decision and then it doesn't feel good. It feels icky. It feels, um, you feel your muscles contract and tense up. So listening to your body, like real um, physical body is one way to know what you want because our body speaks so much to us. We just don't often listen. Yeah. I so I we I remember briefly before we went live, we were talking on Facebook about the sandwich and I was thinking you meant like the Brene Brown, I think it was Brene Brown said, like what shit sandwich are you willing to eat to kind oh, of Oh yeah, that Liz Gilbert, yeah. Oh right. And it's funny though, as you were saying this, because I'm the type of person and like every person, every ex, family members, friends, they know that I do this. I'll like pick off of other people's plates. I won't order the thing on their plate because I don't want all of it. <laughs> I just like yeah. Of it. And my ex would get so mad at me all the time of like, why can't you just order it yourself? And I'm like, no, because it tastes better on your plate. No. <laughs> so I love that story. Um, so was that kind of like a conscious, was it, right in the moment that you thought about it, that you realized it, or was it something that kind of started to unfold when you were like, wait a second, why, why am I going back and forth between my, sh what I should, what I think I should have and what I actually want? Well, it kind of happened in the same, it depends what your vision, the perception of same moment is, but it kind of happened within the next half hour. And then it lingered with me. It was like, yeah, wait a second. This is the one moment where I have full power over the decision that I am making. There's no external circumstance doing things to me. And yet I made a choice that didn't make me happy. Why is that? And um, I know that, I don't know if that's because I'm a Gemini or I don't know, but I'm the kind of person when it comes to picking things, I am terrible like I will need to read the whole menu before I make a decision because I want to make sure I'm choosing the right thing as opposed to choosing what I want and I I could totally see that with food that's where it was most obvious to me and I guess that's that's where it started I think yeah that was an instant realization that then lingered and got me thinking how can I act on it next time mm, I think this is such a powerful example and I think you know really the power of storytelling is when when you can tell a story and it can resonate with someone else and even if it's in a different 
context or a different reason. Like, as I hear you say this, I think there's times where, because I'm similar, I have to read the whole menu, <laughs> weigh my choices, analyze, make to-do lists. I'm just kidding. But like, I'll overanalyze to see how I can optimize decisions. And sometimes I'll notice myself, um, so here's the catch. I'll notice myself leaning towards something that's cheaper on the menu, but it's oh not, my God. it's not because of the money. It's because it comes down to, do I want to, would you, do I want to treat myself? Do I want to feel good? But it never has anything to do with the money because I know I could afford anything that I wanted. And yeah. It's funny that this comes up in conversation even today because I just booked myself a massage for later this afternoon and I was like, do I do the 30 minutes or do, do I do the 60 minutes? And I was like, for God's sakes, Brittany, just do the 60 minutes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <And> it, but <laughs> it's not easy. And you know, one of the things, um, it's, not, it's not easy. And I'll say that uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I found myself spending literally half an hour picking one box of tea because I didn't know. And it wasn't even like, it took me five minutes to choose which one I wanted. It took me 20 minutes to choose whether I wanted to buy the three, uh, three tea bag box or the 10 tea bag box because the three tea bag box is more expensive per tea bag, but it's less expensive overall. And the 10 tea bag box, well, it's got more tea bags, but what if I don't like it? Because it's the first time I'm buying it. And, you know, I did catch myself as well saying like, well, this is like $2 and $5. It's not like this is a life-changing uh, purchase that is going to make a hole, a hole in my budget. It's 2 and $5. And yet I am there driving myself crazy. But Sometimes, you know, just noticing those things mm -hmm. is a way to start that change. And obviously, I ended up getting the 10 tea bag box and be like, <laughs> okay, screw this. Like, if you don't like it, that's fine. You'll just give it to your friends. That's yeah. fine. Do you find that a lot of it comes back down to, um, like, just trusting yourself? Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely, because there are so many factors that come in. And once again, that's where, you know, BUDU comes in, because a lot of the times we know what we want, but there are all those external voices that come and make us second guess ourselves, like as if what we want wasn't enough. It's like, is it the best value for your money? Is it the right decision? Is it, you know, so many questions? when at the end of the day the most important thing should be as long as it's not creating any bad circumstances around you what you want first and what i talk about in my book is there's team you where there's the me with the brain and the me in my heart and they both work together but there needs to be a hierarchy and that hierarchy needs to be clear the me in my heart is the owner and the me and my brain is the CEO. So they make the decision, they decide things, they take action, but it's the me and my heart that needs to be happy first and foremost. Mm, that's beautiful. So what would you say would is the cost of 
not being ourselves? Like in what ways does that sort of lead to dissatisfaction, unfulfillment? Some would say depression. <laughs> um, yeah. What's well, the- you know, one thing that a friend of mine said, well, a client and now friend of mine said she was writing a book about postnatal depression. And she said this thing that took actually a few months to make sense to me. But she said, you know what? Depression is not, is actually the opposite of expression. When you're not expressing who you are, and let me just say her name, Maddie Gray, because I don't want to use her concept and not name her. <laughs> but um, this is such, such a powerful concept because when you're not expressing who you are, when you're not letting your me in your heart, well, me in my heart, uh, express itself out, well, that's when depression starts. Because, well, science has proven that the chemical imbalance thing is like 1% of all the depression, mental illness cases. So a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with how we live life and how we let ourselves be, mm-hmm. how we allow ourselves to be. And um, I've had my father suffer from depression when I was a kid. And I can, and I can totally say that he, his depression was related to him not being able to be himself because he was in a situation, in a job, in a social condition where um, he couldn't be himself. He couldn't fully be himself. He had to um, bend to please his bosses and all that environment he was part of. So, yeah. yeah. Depression can be, let's say, at the extreme end of the spectrum but it all starts with everything you said unfulfillment dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. and that lingering sense of there is something missing in my life you know yeah I have a client um we just uh did her signature brand story video and she's a health and wellness advocate and she works specifically with parents and children with mental health issues. And one of the core messages, and I know this can be a little controversial and different people have different beliefs, but Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it she was saying is it comes back home, but it comes back home. It comes back down to being disconnected from yourself. Yeah. And um, I know when I was younger, like I think my doctor diagnosed me with depression and I was going to go on antidepressants. And I never ended up doing that. But I look back at that moment in my life and I was like, I wasn't actually like, there wasn't a chemical imbalance in my brain. I was just really sad, really unfulfilled, really like, like you said, I wasn't expressing myself. And I know some people can kind of be defensive when they're talking about it because they want to hold on to these stories of like, well, I have bipolar and I have this and it's, it's me and I can't do anything about it. And you know, I won't go too much into my opinion on that, but <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it's like, that's such a great way of articulating it, um, that depression is is just a lack of self-expression and 
sorry. I live in a really noisy street, so I don't know if you can hear that, <laughs> that truck going by. But um, one of the things I always say to my clients, and even it, I like live by this message, so speaking about embodying your message, is sometimes the ROI on something isn't necessarily monetary. Like we think mm -hmm. we monetize our, our, our passions, our business, or whatever. And it's like... Um, one of the things I gave myself permission to do this year was to produce my first EP. And mm -hmm. I, I used to sing when I was younger, I had a background in performing and I have no expectation of like, I'm financing this cause I'm producing it, producing it. Um, and my ROI is just pure happiness. Like, yes. That is enough for me. I don't need to make a profit. Maybe I will. Who knows? Who knows what it'll evolve into? Um, but so many people think like, oh, I'm not going to pursue that because I can't make a career out of it. Like, you well, know, like, limits. You know what? If people are so interested in ROI in their lives, well, <laughs> happiness is pretty much a very crucial ingredient in making money. Happy people make money. Yeah. Simple as that. So it might not be a direct, whatever you do might not be a direct, um, might not bring direct return on, on investment in terms of money. But if you're happy, if you're feeling fulfilled, that is going to show you're going to exude positive vibes and that will lead in um, incrementing your, your monetary income if you have a business because then business is going to do well because you are doing well. Yeah. I like to think of it as, and especially because I know you work with authors and I, I'm, I've also worked with authors and I know it can be one of the first questions is like, well, how am I actually going to make a living off of like putting this out there? And mm -hmm. I think sometimes the things can go hand in hand. Like it, so the, I'm going to bring up the um, Elizabeth Gilbert quote, like the shit sandwich. It's like, at some point I had to work really, really hard in my business to get to a certain, um, like revenue level where I then had the time and freedom to then go work on other, other projects. Um, but in the end, like it still builds my portfolio and my body of work anyways. So I feel like there is a return on investment because it makes me who I am and it makes me my yes. and people are attracted to me because, um, like, I can't tell you how many people have been like, oh my God, you're making a rap album. Like, it's just so <laughs> like, no, you wouldn't expect that when you first see me, but I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but that's really cool. And I think in this world of get rich quick, a lot of people want quick results. They want to do A so that they can get B. But very often the road that leads to B is like, a.1, A.2, A.3, and you've got different steps. And it's the same as you, you're talking about your EP. I'm talking about books, my own book. Yes, I, I am making money from the sales, but I have made far more money because I have written a book and the effect that it has had on me as a person than the book sales themselves. Right. And it's, it's just that everything we do kind of stacks up to build who we are and how we are. Yeah. And 
it's all part of the bigger picture. Sometimes people just have to see the bigger picture as well, not only their small picture with I do this, I get that, because it goes further than that. Yeah. One of the big things you mentioned as well is about really stepping in and embodying your message this mm -hmm. year. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, yes. It's, it's really listening to who I am. It's, for example, wanting to travel and deciding, well, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Um, just kind of take my computer and then book a ticket here, book a ticket there and start traveling. And people will sometimes look at me and say, but don't you, uh, 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 and I'm like, well, no, I'm, that's the way I do things. That's the way, that's the way I am. And yeah. I, as I said, like, I don't have a concrete example to give you because I feel like my life is a series of doing things unlike other people and people questioning mm -hmm. how I feel. Someone said to me the other day, oh, have you spoken to a psychologist about that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, it turns out I did, but. I don't need a psychologist to validate how I feel and how I want to do things because I trust myself enough to do that now. In the past, maybe I would need people to tell me this is right and this is not okay. But I have grown to be so protective of my inner self because I have been so disconnected for such a long time. Now I have grown to be this like mama bear with my inner self. It's like, screw yeah. you people. I come first. And I'm not saying that in a selfish way, but it's my well-being is my priority. And whatever my me in my heart wants, this is what I'm going to strive for. I'm not going to strive to please X, Y, Z. Because I... I am the only thing I have is me in my body and I need to honor that. I need to, to make myself feel like I matter because I do. Mm. You know what? I'm not even kidding. Last week I had, so one of the first songs I've been working on, I shared it with a close friend and I, I'm, I can't make this shit up. They literally said to me, like, I think you need to speak to a therapist. <laughs> it was like, I'm like, why? I'm like, this art is my therapy. <laughs> but you know, this is so representative of what's going on in society. Like we need therapists. Like I'm all for therapists. I've had therapy for years to deal with my own disconnection with my inner self. But I also broke my relationship, well, ended my relationship with my therapist because I realized at some point that I was actually happy. But then I realized that I was bringing things to the table and almost expecting her to tell me, yeah, you're doing the right thing mm. and validating my life choices. And, and I said that to her and she was like, well, what if you just make your own choices and take that as 
the right one. And obviously I broke down in tears and I was like, yeah, but it's scary. What if it is the wrong choice? But you know, that's life. That's life. And you've got to learn to trust yourself. And it's not easy at the beginning. And that's why so many people live in that mindset where they look up to people, to therapists that will tell you whether what you're doing is okay or not, whether how you be is okay or not. Parents, teachers, friends, and we let all those people tell us how we should be or what we should do. But I think we need to find some space in all that for our own intuition, for our own being. Yeah, this has been something I've been talking about a lot lately on social media, having having invested in quite a few mentors. And I've, I've always chosen the right people to work with, but I've mm-hmm. witnessed other people and I've had friends and colleagues come to me about, you know, horror story decisions. And I just think um, it's interesting because I feel like we're moving into this age now where there's a lot of people that are shifting from, okay, it's not about having a concrete roadmap or doing things like the right way, which is what was a lot of what was being taught before. And now we're moving mm-hmm. to the stage of like, well, actually what's right for me mm. work for me. And so I think one of the biggest things I just had this I've been ranting about this lately, like on my Instagram, is like choosing to work with someone who understands your vision and isn't yeah. just going to fit you in a box of what they've accomplished. And I think yes. that's really hard to come by these days because we're kind of stuck in this. And I, and I say this, and it's hard to say this because, you know, you want to be positive and encourage everyone, but not everyone is qualified or capable of mentoring or coaching people. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. They just don't. This is why I talk a lot about embodying. Like when you're coming from a point of experience, like you can guide someone, but that person ultimately needs to make a decision that feels right for them. Yes. And I think, think Oh, go ahead. No, I was, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I had this conversation a couple of days ago uh, with someone and I said, not everyone who has found the magic solutions also has the skills to teach or to be a good mentor or a good coach. And what they do is they just vomit their knowledge on someone without taking into account where that person is, like where they're at. and. Um, this may, this might screw up people, people's mind. Like I know someone, a case of that happened where a client of mine had a call with a potential mentor, someone who was successful and decided she was going to teach people how to be successful as well. And she, she, my client ended up having a complete meltdown and reconnecting with her therapist after that call because the conversation made her feel like she was getting nowhere in life and she was just so lost and confused and had done nothing good in her business. And I think it's dangerous. It's dangerous that people really set out to teach things to people without really taking into account who they are, how they are, and what they want. Yeah, I just, 
I have this series right now, which our lovely VA Mickey is helping me <laughs> get out there. Um, I, I redid my graphics, but it's called Seven Inconvenient Truths. And the one I just published yesterday was called um, Marketing is Meant to Make You Feel Inadequate. Um, I think it said like, be a smarter consumer or like trust yourself more because that really is the nature of marketing. It's like, it's going to expose a problem and as a, as a reader or a viewer, you're going to identify like, is this me? Is this not me? And someone who doesn't have this like strong inner, I don't know what you call it, like a compass. Mm Mm-hmm is going to fall prey to these things. I'm not saying everyone is ill-intentioned. That's not, that's not the case, but yeah, if we sign up for something that's not, it's just not the right match, then we can often end up like blaming that person when it's like, it's not really anyone's fault. It's just kind of a bad match. And (laughs) even It's interesting. I was having a call with someone last night, a discovery call, and she's talking about three different ways she could take her business. And I said, and I, this is a discovery call, right? And I just said to her, I was like, I'm not going to tell you which path to take because I don't know which path you're meant to take. But I was like, I'll help you tune in to figure out which one feels most in alignment to you right now. And it's, it's not even like, it's not even it's not even a sales thing for me. Like I'm just, you know, like when you come back down to like, what are sales? It's like, that was my most honest truth that I could say to her. Um, yeah, I think that's what we're here for. We're not here to tell people what to do. We're here to guide them. Well, at least that's how I see what I do. Yeah. So, okay. You have an up and coming series coming out, right? Yeah. Well, I've started the first episode. Um, This week was the third one. The third one was out. It's called Authors Reveal. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's I've interviewed authors, both self-published and traditionally published, to speak about their writing process. So everything that happened from the moment they had the idea of writing a book to sitting there bottom down on a chair and starting to write the book to how they got the book out and how um what challenges they felt and how they overcame those challenges and how the book has changed their lives like uh it's like oprah does this series like where are they now it's kind of like okay so the book is out so what happened and i did that also as a way to show that there is not one way to write a book there's a lot of people with a lot of different uh ways there are some truths that keep coming like everyone's like yeah you can do this you can do that but you have to do this and there are other ways where everyone has done things their own way and that's that's what I want to show people, you know, because there's a lot of it's it's about debunking a lot of myths. Like, um, you cannot be get a traditional publisher if you don't have a list that's bigger than twenty thousand or a hundred thousand. One of my authors, one of the authors that I interviewed, she got actually picked up by Simon and Schuster, which is one of the big five, yeah. um, and she only had fifteen hundred people on her list. So it is possible. 
um, there's another one who self-published her book and she self-published her book in 2016 and to this day she has sold 56,000 copies wow. so it's like there's a lot of quote-unquote truths out there that keep keep people stuck like I can't write my book because I need a traditional publisher otherwise I'm not going to make money or I can't write my book and I can't go to a traditional publisher because I don't have a big enough list or stuff like that. So I want to show people everything is possible, like anything is possible. But you know what matters is that you, you commit to writing your story if that's really what you want. Because sometimes you don't want to write a book. You just decide you have to write a book because that's what's trendy at the moment or that's what everyone else is doing is all that's what your coach told you you should be doing. So it's, it's a lot of that, you know, showing different people's um, writing process, different people's journey, so that my viewers can see the different ways things can go and yes. start their own. I think too, like you highlight a good point in this kind of like takes us full circle from what we were saying in the beginning is um, like if you're writing for profit or if you're writing just for you and mm. I think that like if you have a story and a message to put out there, um, I almost want to say like the money, this is going to sound really like counterintuitive to everything I stand for, but because I believe people should be compensated for their work but it's almost like you have to have, you have to let go of that intention. Like there's so many people I know that put pressure on themselves to make money while doing the things that they love. Mm -hmm. And so when you're thinking about, okay, am I going to self publish this? Or am I going to go the traditional route? Like, and I'm sure you know this more, even more in depth than I do, but when you publish traditionally, like your profit margin is so small, Ugh. you get yeah. like, a little slice of the cake when you self-publish like you're gonna have to put a lot of the costs up front um, but then you're gonna have to do your own marketing and so it comes down to like well do you want to reach more people or do you want to make more money so I feel well, like oh my god I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna say one of the myths that really irritates me is that people have this dream idea of publishing traditionally uh, being equal to having someone doing your marketing because most traditional publishers want people with a big list because they are going to ask you to do your own marketing. So you're right. going to have to do your marketing anyway, except you're going to get like five to 10% if you're lucky of the royalties. Whereas if you self-publish, you'll get about 70% uh, of the royalties. Right. So, yeah. And you'll be doing more or less the same thing. Maybe a couple of thousand uh, dollars more but but yeah there's I think the intention being clear on your intention and what you just mentioned I actually did a video a lot um, I posted a video on my business page last week about whether to write for yourself or to write for a reader as opposed to whether you you sh should quote unquote write what's in your heart and really pushing to come out or whether you should write what you should, quote unquote, write to make money. And 
it's 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 really something to to ponder before you start writing a book and i've had clients write books just because they wanted to put their story in a book and that's what happened with my first book and that's you you Liz Gilbert talks about her book Eat Pray Love and she said that's that's what it was she just needed to get that story to document that story to process her journey by writing it in a book and she wasn't thinking about how to write it for everyone to love it she was just writing it with her best friend Darcy in mind Mm-hmm. And because she did that, it came out so authentic and a lot of people resonated with that. So uh, people don't realize that readers, and as you said, storytelling is important. People resonate with stories, with emotions contained in stories. They don't resonate with instructions and um, yeah. how to. So there needs to be a blend of both, including your, in your purpose. There needs to be a bit of your heart in what you're writing. I think this is really, really powerful because especially in the way that I teach people to tell their story, it's like, I always like, it's not about telling your story so that you can monetize it. It's not about telling your story with the intention of making a sale. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, it's there, but the second you have that type of intention, you lose your authenticity because you have an end goal at telling that story. Yes, and I know even um, I mean even for like the listeners or you and when my song does come out, it's a very very taboo subject, and it's not something that I wrote to monetize or like I literally just wrote it for me, and the feedback uh, I'll just give you a little clue, maybe. Oh my gosh, I'm hesitating now. Mm. Um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, well, it has to do with like just a childhood experience around um, abuse and, and incest and Stockholm syndrome. So it's it's not even something that like it's it's just something that people don't talk about. Yeah. Um, but of all the people that I've shared, because it was published in a magazine, that's how this whole thing ended up becoming a song. Because I was like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just unfolded in such a way, but so many people were like, Oh my gosh, I've experienced the same thing. Or like, I've just gotten crazy feedback over it, but I didn't write it to get that feedback. Yeah. You wrote it to write it. Yeah. So I think this is a really powerful lesson for the listeners. Um, in just being really authentic, just, you know, writing the things or putting the things that are creating for yourself versus kind of having this like, hardwired intention behind it that can really skew our creative process or or our vision yeah oh my god i could talk about this forever (laughs) but um we have to wrap up because we're around the the end time here is there any um one last thing you would say to the listeners and then tell us where we can find you and what you're up to um I think what I want to say to the listeners is I can't remember the quote right now but what it says is one of the biggest life changes uh we can experience is when we realize that we have a responsibility or we have power over the decisions that we make in our lives 
So a lot of us live our lives making decisions and saying, but I had no choice, but I had to. And I would really, really, really like to invite our listeners to question that, to really think, did you really not have any choice or did you actually choose to make that decision? Because most of the time you are actually choosing to make a decision, which means you can actually choose to make another decision. So that's, that's my my piece of advice and I'm walking my talk because I came back to Italy and I was like, oh my God, I so don't want to live in Italy anymore. And then I was like, but but I can't, what, what am I going to do? And, and I thought, you know what? Walk your talk, girl. You don't want to live in Italy? Start looking for somewhere else to go because that's how things are going to happen. Not magically, not wallowing in how life isn't how you wish it work so take control of your life in that small space that you can in that small way in the small ways that you can because you might find that those ways expand so yeah and people can find me at anikina.com or write and change lives.com beautiful thank you so much for being here today i so love this conversation (laughs) thanks for having me Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brand Interrupted Podcast. I so appreciate you and your time. And to show that appreciation, I want to give you a free gift. Head over to untamedrevolution.com forward slash gift to get instant access to my free three-part Audaciously You on Camera video series, a step-by-step on how to share your story, craft your core message, master your energy, infuse your personality and boost your charisma on camera so you can amplify your impact with video and turn viewers into dream clients. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, don't forget to head on over to iTunes, subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Until next time, bisous from Paris. Ciao, ciao.